Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest episode of Cult Following, the film genre and fandom podcast brought to you from the people who bring you cult classics AZ every month here in the Metro Phoenix area. I'm one of your three hosts, Victor Marino, along with Adam Murkowski, meow, and Kirby Nelson, Join us as the three of us take you into a journey into the unknown world of film fandom kvetching. We're going to talk about some of the coolest things that have been happening lately here from Phoenix Comic Con to the live John Carpenter retrospective that happened at the Mesa Art Center just last night and Aliens at Cult Classics, which ended up being a complete sellout. If you like Cult Classics, you should definitely <laughs> check us out. That didn't out. really sound very positive, did it? No, a complete sellout, man. A complete sellout. They totally sold out. Totally. If you like live film events, check us out next month, July 16th. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's our fifth anniversary screening for Cult Classics, presented by Cult Classics and Zia Records, with support from our friends at AZ Game on Expo. And if you like our podcast, give us a rate and review on iTunes, and give us a subscription. The more we go out there into the world, you know, the better for everybody trust us all right so uh kirby yes, what have sir. you been up to lately you know we had phoenix con that ended up being a big success for us and it was kirby's cosplay debut it was for yeah. 15 minutes 15 whole minutes kirby was cosplaying as sam from trick or treat yes for all those that were lucky enough to get a photo i probably won't be doing that again i have uh some claustrophobic aversion i have Literally probably 100 plus masks in my home, but I don't ever wear any of them because I just can't stand to be in them that long. Um, but um, it was fun and stuff. I mean, people, you know, of course, do instantly come up, want to take pictures. People did look at me very confused, though, like, what the fuck is up with this guy in pajamas? But because that's basically what the costume was. It was made by uh, Trick or Treat Studios because I'm not creative enough to make my own. Uh, it's basically a set of footy pajamas and the mask. And then I had one of my, um, custom made suckers. Um, but I mean, it was fun and stuff. I mean, it was good to do, but, um, to the people who do brave it as like furries when it's 110 outside and actually walk around, I mean, whatever you think about cosplay or any of that stuff, I mean, dude, there's gotta be a level of respect. Cause I was in an air conditioned like oh, arena yeah. and I couldn't deal with it. Now, uh, I'm going to go to uh, Monday Night Raw right after our podcast taping. And usually, the WWE comes here in the fall when it's cool. And I cosplay as uh, Bray Wyatt because I got the beard. So, it works for me. And I'm fat. But, I will say this. P-H-A-T. Yeah. Pretty he hot. follows the buzzards, folks. Yeah. Pretty heavy and tonic. No, I'm just kidding. But realistically, I will say I am not doing that to the extent I usually do because I have a wig and everything. Today, I'm just I'm I'm rocking the Hawaiian shirt and WWE merch shirt. That's as far as I'll go. Props to those costumers who come to our screenings, especially the ones who came to Aliens with 
you know, full outfits in like 120 degree weather because I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. By the way, a few years ago when uh, Victor first did his Bray Wyatt cosplay, this is before I got back into wrestling and got reacquainted with a lot of stuff. I just thought it was laundry day. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, it was, it's the worst. Laundry look. day and I hit the, uh, what was it, uh, Tommy Bahama bucket? <laughs> yes, 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 you did. <laughs> no, but apparently this year Phoenix Con had like over 100,000 people. Oh, easily. Yeah. Pre- preview night is usually like 20,000. It had to be 40 to 50. Yeah. And it's only on for like six hours. So it was just insanity. Yeah. The registration is the craziest I've ever seen it. I still think Mad Monster had the better lineup of guests. Well, without a doubt. None, like not even close. I um I only got I got an autograph from my brother for Gates McFadden from Star Trek Next Gen. Uh so we're both big fans. And then I personally I wanted to get Nolan North because I'm a big Uncharted uh game series fan. Mm-hmm. Um I stopped by and I got Ken Forey and um Tony Todd because I actually had many of How their items. How much was uh, Ken Foray charging for autographs? Thirty. Okay, which is is he, he charged his he changed that I was there the minute that price change happened from twenty to thirty. Yeah, at Monster Palooza, he used to be um like twenty. Kane Hodder used to be like twenty twenty five. Yeah, and you think with a guy like Kane Hodder, who's pretty pretty well known, but um even though I know this is, I mean, I guess it's to me is like one of those ones where. Just to branch off real quick, the one thing that was interesting with con, and I know there's a lot of issues there with this, and it may affect cons in the future, but I was pretty furious that for all the autographs I got, I had to pay an extra ten bucks in tax. That's starting. Uh, I think that might just be because the city of Phoenix was there. Yeah, well, but that's what I I'm am hearing, but. that I can't imagine that being a long lasting thing with how fierce horror fans are specifically about autographs. If you're saying 20 and it's really 30, you're going to lose your business in one or two shows. But, I mean, that's something we can talk about in the future. I yeah, say, I just wanted to bring that up because yeah. that was the first time I've ever seen that in cons that I've gone to in 25 years in, in, in multiple states across the U.S. So I just thought that was a little fascinating. You should, yeah, you, you need to build the tax into your price at that yeah, point. that's it's the way I view silly. it. Um, I will say the only person I would have liked to have gotten an autograph from was uh, Katie Lotz. If I could have gotten like my machine Blu-ray sign, that would have been cool. But it's just too far from the vendor floor. And I got some vintage toys, and that was pretty much all I was. He happy got the with. sweetest mint Krang ever. Yeah, yeah. Old school robot android Krang. I was very happy with, with it. With and well I never buy stickers. I never buy stuff at cons, but I was very happy with that. What What, what was your feeling on the con, Adam? I just took my headphones off. Oh. What did you feel about Phoenix Con? Good, bad, indifferent? Good, bad, the ugly? Or good, bad, or indifferent? Uh, Phoenix Comic Con? Yes. Uh, as I get resituated, because I'm miscombobulated. Sorry, I, I got a new console and I'm rewiring the whole studio. It looks Not as very we speak, nice. but I'm, it's I'm very, very nice. Yeah, a little just, birdie whisper that our podcast might be featured soon in the New Times for best local fo- podcasts. That'd be awesome. Um, so, yeah, the Phoenix Comic Con, we were not really excited to go at all this year. I think that's overall true for most of us. Uh, Have you done it every year since not, you lived in this area? No, not every year. But um, we have to. It, it's better to kind of pick and choose your battles, I think. And and we re, we, if Mad Monster was every single day of our life, we would be there. If it was a going like every single day, I it's 
we go every single day and we stay as long as we possibly can before we're just like, okay, now we're just too tired or, or they, you know, they say, okay, we're closing. It's done. Uh, Comic-Con, the second we get there, we're like, okay, let's get to exactly where we want to go and right. get the fuck out. <laughs> I swear sure. we, we've taken it just using the cult classics booth as like a shelter from yep. the storm. This is very true. Cause we almost, well, I kind of looked for it. I didn't feverishly look for it. So I, kind of missed out on getting them but it's still in the back of my brain and i have it i have it written down so it'll be there for emergencies but have you seen those little uh i guess you could call them like tailgate chairs um where they're like oh like a pop-up yeah yeah. but you fold them and they're maybe about i don't know 48 inches tall yeah so you can just kind of like sling it on your back yeah I'm and it's just it's just the canvas there's no back to it or anything I have one of those, I think. I think I might get a few of those yeah. and then, like donate them to the booth so then if someone comes by, they don't have to like sit in weird spots. Yeah, or... I think at one point we had like six or seven people in the booth at one time just like hiding. Yeah. Yeah. I will say big props to our friend Chucky for being a trooper and helping us out this weekend. If you like uh, cool uh, you know, genre movie-related merch, check out uh, Rated Hard R on uh, Big Cartel. And also, uh, is it Pop? A pop stickers. Pop yeah. sticker company. Yeah. Instagram and Big Cartel. Chucky rules, man. Thanks again, dude, for helping us out for so much. Yep, yep. And then uh, I think, so basically, it ended up being a better con than I thought it would be. We will probably end up doing it again next year. But, well, sure. Uh, I mean, I think they put on a great event. Yeah. It's just... Um, I like the Mad Monster stuff. Yeah, Mad Monster, I, I desperately want to Because that's my, my types of guests yeah you know i just really thought with the lineup this year they weren't going to experience but it's amazing like some people have like real staying power like james marster's line was like two and a half hours long on like sunday afternoon yeah it's weird to think that like i mean somebody you would think who's been around for a while i mean he's a talented guy and stuff and has a big fan base but i just mean that like you know who like the genre or con institutions are that are going to be there like every year yeah or every other year and stuff and i was kind of surprised it's very rare that there's new people at any kind of con so that's a, i think is a tough challenge and there's just more cons now yeah. than there ever was well i think the the big new get uh this year was uh what we do in the shadows which i think was like a huge get for mad monster huge because mm-hmm. i can't picture them regularly coming here from new zealand yeah, they, I had asked him. I thought no, they were from no. here for some, like, had lived here, relocated to, like, New York or L.A., and they're like, no, nope. no, we actually flew here. And I'm like, oh, fuck, sorry, man, I mean, Yeah, no, I, I asked them, uh, you know, what, how, what that, the, you know, it's really cool that they were doing this and uh, said that uh, they're not doing it, they're only doing it a couple more times, and then that's it. Um, the only reason why they're doing it now is because they had the time to do it, and that Mad Monster paid for the flight, um, otherwise they're, you know, this is probably like a one shot deal. Cause I asked yeah. them if they were coming back here or if they would do this again. Yeah. Cause I feel a lot of people especially kind of think that, uh, oh, so-and-so can come back whenever. Don't you know, Stanley's immortal. He'll beat every con forever. <laughs> no, not anymore. No. But, uh, I, I think that's enough into our con segue, sure. the, the, you know, and we had aliens on Saturday, which ended up, you know, being a blast, um, like everyone like was super hyped on that movie and i think we we ended up i've got the final numbers back from zia that did end up being like a total sellout i believe it It so it was like i was like well i thought zia still had like 40 or 50 tickets left i'm like no they sold them all that saturday cool 
So that was rad. Although I did learn, and I guess this is a bulletin out. Apparently, if you're coming to cult classics, you can no longer bring weapons. Toy weapons are no longer allowed at Pollock. Oh, sorry to our costuming. Yeah, yes, well, friends. toy guns. Apparently, knives, giant scythes, totally cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. I'm kind of surprised after the whole Aurora thing that isn't uh, that wasn't earlier put into place. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just informed of that today. No more giant guns and no more full masks. So. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. So you can't have, like, the Predator guys again. No, as I think those are okay because it's more like a complete costume. Well, but they're wearing a, they're wearing a mask. Yeah, well, but most we already of, did Predator, so and most of the Predator guys, as I remember, they did all the photo ops outside, and then yeah. they from the hunters' lair or whatever, and then they um, changed so they could actually watch the movie. I don't yeah. think most of them stayed in yeah. costume. It was I can't imagine how hot that was either. <laughs> yeah, no, and then the big main event of the weekend. Uh, which I'm pretty sure if you are into movies hardcore remotely in the Valley, you were probably at John Carpenter last night at the Mesa Arts Center, which literally every single person I know who likes movies pretty much was there. Yeah. And uh, I, what were your thoughts on that, Adam? Me? First? Yeah. Yes. I, I was in love. It was awesome. Yeah, Adam was literally front front row. I was. I could not get any more front. Yeah, he was dead front row center. Center. The the like the orchestra front row. Like he pointed at Anne, Adam's wife. Yeah, and well, to be fair, he also did point at me later too. So that was kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. That's because you show him your tits. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we had awesome seats. I'm glad that we we helped us stateside promote it and. Thank thank them very much for the pre early pre sale codes that we got because I'm pretty much a ton of cult classics regulars were all up in the front. It was kind of amazing, yeah. you know. Well, and, Mesa Art Center is a rad venue. It really is. It's yep. um you really can't have a bad seat in that place. I'm I'm pretty positive. Now I haven't been in the nosebleeds technically of it, but I mean even anywhere. I mean I, I was writing them like fourth row or something, front row of the second section beyond the orchestra pit mm-hmm. and it was incredible how close and um sound quality was amazing the yep. um that was one thing i would say first and foremost like either i go uh, i'm gonna have to put in earplugs or i'm like gonna be really disappointed that after 25 years of hearing damage i'm not gonna be able to hear it properly right yeah so, I'm no. not an expert. Adam is our audio engineering genius, but I got to say, I looked at their amps and stuff on stage, and I was pretty surprised. They had surprised. no dust on them yeah. at all. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't quite look at that. <laughs> I just meant by size and yeah. wattage. I thought it was pretty amazing how much sound they pumped out with uh, such minimal equipment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great. I love that place. Uh, I'm disappointed that they don't do the uh, Broadway shows there anymore. Because that was really a lot of fun. Because I love the sound, I love the uh, the atmosphere. Like you said, there's not a there's not a bum seat in the house, um, as opposed to other places that have kind of t- taken the torch of the the Broadway musicals. It's just I I, I have to cringe when I go to the the other places that uh, host those now. But yeah, I'd rather go to Mesa for stuff. We're seeing the Monkees in September, the fiftieth. Oh, okay anniversary tour and mike nesmith is kind of uh well he said that he's not going to do it then he said that he he might join them a couple times 
throughout the tour, so I'm really hoping that he'll be here for Phoenix. I'm going to the Beach Boys this weekend. Nice. Really? Just, yeah. Wow. I'm really excited to see him. First time I've ever gotten to see him, but I actually saw Davy Jones. Is it with Brian Wilson? No. Um, he has a, Brian has his own tour. Tour, oh, yeah. He, he has does a separate his own tour. Smile. Yep. So this is with John Stamos. We can only <laughs> Oh, hope. God, please, yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be sweet, but Please no. don't be kidding. Yeah. No, I mean, it's Al Jardine, Mike Love, and, um, like, you know, I mean, you're kicking kind of down to the end of the Wilson yeah. line. Um, so it's it's still it's still good. I mean, it's still fun. But, I mean, I got my tickets for free, so I'm good. Yeah. But I actually saw Davy Jones about five years ago, and uh, it couldn't have been that long before he died. Um, and he was awesome. Not only was the set great in terms of uh, material, but he was funny as hell. Like a lot dirtier, like a little raunchier mm-hmm. than I expected. Like his humor was, um, you know, very very well done and stuff. Still classy, but genuinely funny. So I, I try to go see some of the older bands. I missed Motley Crue's final tour, but um, some of the other bands and stuff, both classic American music. And other ones, but it's just it's hard. I mean, either the ticket prices are too high, or I yeah, I don't know if I want to. No, sit that through. was that was the interesting thing about the uh, John Carpenter uh, event was like the ticket prices were kind of all over the place. I mean, they had the meet and greet, which ended up being way more. Um, like there were different levels of meet and greet, but in the end, it all kind of be- ended up being the same. Yeah, it did. I which was, I kind I, kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah, because you know uh, we paid full price for that. Yeah. And did you get a sound check? I couldn't remember if that was included in this. No. See, when I went and saw Goblin, the first tour in L.A. at the Egyptian, we got Well, we got a sound check when Goblin was here, too. I think they just didn't include a sound check with VIP. Yeah. See, I think that should have been included. But I can definitely understand for the the full price and stuff. I mean, I wasn't able to um, get everything, but I thought the the tour posters were $20 unsigned and 40 bucks signed and i'm sitting here going no it's not personalized but it doesn't personalize yeah yeah but that's a hell of a deal i gotta say oh especially like uh was he 50 to 100 at cons depending on which one it is no the creation weekend of horrors he was charging like 100 an autograph because for a while i remember charles cyphers came to the uh the fiend the what was it the horror inner sci-fi yeah i can't ever get it right (laughs) The International Horror Sci-Fi Film Festival, when it was at Madcap, yeah, and he brought a bunch of pre-signed Halloween posters by John, signed by John Carpenter, and this was like what eight years ago, nine. That was a long time ago. Definitely at least at least six. Or and seven. he was claiming, oh well, he was char- charging like over a hundred. Well, you know, he's gonna die soon. <laughs> God, yeah. Wow. You keep it classy, sheriff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember that. That w- he even said something about like on stage about it. Like it wasn't just like privately, like, "Hey, man, you might want to make an investment. John's not going to be here forever." It yeah. was like literally, like, "Hey, well, John's in the hospital." Wink, <laughs> wink. Here, it was like I'm sitting there, like, "You got to be kidding." Oh, that's yeah. tasteless. But oh, his it's... whole thing is he lives in Sierra Vista, and he was acting like he had made a pilgrimage half across right. the U.S. And I'm like, "Give me a break, dude." Well, and. That was one of the things that Ann and I were asking. I mean, he's he's about the same age as my parents. So, but we were still wondering. It's like, well, I wonder, you know, what he's going to be like. Is he going to be kind of there, but not really there? Does he have like any issues? You know, so we were kind of like watching him for different stuff. But he seemed completely. He was very spry. Spry and healthy. And... My number one 
memory from the show or my number one standout was the uh, Carpenter Shuffle. Oh yeah, I oh loved, yeah, loved watching that. Just just seeing how into it he was, because you know, I mean, John Carpenter is you know his father was uh, bandly or orchestra, you know, leader and stuff, and he's he, you know he has his sons playing with him. That was very cool to see on Father's Day to me too. Oh yeah. But it was like... Well, one of the things I thought was really interesting, and this is one of the things I kind of wish I had thought of later, was um, there's an episode of Masters of Horror that John Carpenter directed, uh, Cigarette Burns. Mm -hmm. Cody was the one who did all the music for that episode. There was a part of me that was kind of hoping, oh, maybe he'll do something from that from that episode. Is kind of like uh, one of my favorite episodes, you know, yeah, du- me too. duet thing. But no, I I thought it was cool. I mean, like at the end, clear when we were going home, we had like you know the, oh, I wish he had done like the theme from John Carpenter's Vampires, and then like then when we were almost home, I was like, oh god damn, if he had done Starman, I would have died. <laughs> well, that's what I thought yeah. when he started. He started off one of his sets like. Um, I'm mostly known for my horror and sci-fi movies. I really thought he was going to segue into Starman and say, yeah. but I did a little uh, drama piece or a, a feel-good movie, and this is it, you know, yeah. and go right into that. Um, I thought the setup for Halloween was great. That, yeah. Uh, you know, his energy. Although, weirdly enough, I think out of all the ones he did, that was probably the one I was kind of, like, the least into. But I'm not a huge Halloween guy, really. I just... They did the... the, the I think what it was is the uh, beatbox thing. There was like, it sounded kind of tinny to me. Maybe. Yeah, because the original one, it isn't as much there, but on the, um, I used to know it all about this, but, you know, they did kind of like a remix and stuff. But watching the drummer nail yeah. that was like, man, dude, that has got to hurt your wrist so bad just yeah. to do that for a solid three and a half minutes. Well, my brother my brother used to be a drummer when he was in high school, NJROTC, and like apparently it's just, it's just like your wrists, and it's just like just repetitive. Oh yeah, it's it's not even that. It's just I, the the repetitive motion yeah. has got to be annoying. Not that it was like arduous. Because I noticed too during that song, like John Kaneski, the the guitar player in the back with the bandana. He's also like the backup guitarist in uh, Tenacious D. He switched to a different guitar just to do that. Bit. He played a bass because the other oh, guy yeah, was yeah, playing yeah. something else. I yeah. could, couldn't tell what exactly he was doing over there because I couldn't. No, because s- Daniel Davies was lead guitar. I think he was yeah. like the like the backup. Like uh, he was like the rhythm guitarist. I think. Yeah, he was rhythm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They they played solid. Halloween was the least one. The one I think I was most excited about was um, in the mouth of madness. I from like because I I did a post on inst- on the cult classics Instagram asking what everyone's favorite uh, bit was you know number was and that I, most people that was their favorite one was in the mouth. I of think madness. it's just because it's just such a. I mean, I saw it years ago actually at um one of the very you know because it didn't have a long uh, theatrical run and. Um, I actually saw HP Lovecraft Film Fest in San Pedro, which I go to every year. I post a review of this year's one up on cultfalling.co. But um, they showed it and actually had Sandy King, who's John Carver's wife because John mm-hmm. couldn't make it, come out and introduce it. And, you know, it's just not only was it amazing to see it again or to see it theatrically because I missed it in its original run. But one thing I remember when I was watching was going, man, this score is so good. Yeah, and um, I mean, I would say that it's real hard because hearing Prince of Darkness was awesome too. I think it's the lesser known ones that I get more it excited is. about. The funny thing is, I remember a few years back, I went to the new Beverly was doing a Carpenter rep- retrospective, like double features of all his films, 
and Sandy King was hosting all of them because, you know, for those who don't know, Sandy King is uh, Sandy King Carpenter, you know, mm-hmm. John's wife. And John doesn't really do a lot of events, like, for a while. Like, Guillermo del Toro, I think, has talked a lot about this, although I didn't really pick up on it yesterday that, you know, John's very bitter about the fact that, like, you know, all the movies that he did that, like, didn't do well in their first release have kind of become these huge movies and then just get remade mercilessly. Like, if there's anyone whose catalog has been rated more by the remake machine, I can't think of. But um, I went to one of them, and it was uh, it was a double feature of They Live and Prince of Darkness. And uh, it was Peter Jason was there, too, with Sandy King. And it was, like, a really good... They were talking about... Uh, oh, because I think they did, the, uh, they did the thing with Big Trouble in Little China the night before. And that was a really long night. I was like, man, I'm, like, so tired right now. <laughs> but I love both those movies. But, you know, because most people don't, like, most of the cast of Big Trouble in China is in Prince of Darkness. And it's, like, it seemed, it's, like, the the John Carpenter mishmash movie. Because, like, oh, everyone in here is in another John Carpenter movie. And, like, um, Donald Pleasance is playing Father Loomis. Which, like, you know, it's, if there's ever more, ha- like, on-the-nose Halloween reference. But then you watch the movie and it's, like, what the fuck is this <laughs> movie about? You know, it's just crazy. But it's very original. Yeah, the very thinky, amazing. very thinky film. Well, I was really hoping that Alice Cooper would walk onto stage. I know a few people were were talking about that too. That would have been really interesting. And then you know there are a couple things in retrospect after the fact that I missed an opportunity to either ask John Carpenter at the signing or tell him. Uh, one thing was, yeah, if if he was going to meet up with Alice Cooper while he was in town. Right. Um, and I also wanted to, because I, I always have some sort of thing with the past, usually with my dad and my parents or whatever, that um, I want to tell people. Like with, um, you know, uh, American Werewolf in London, um, I got to tell, uh, what is it, John, John Naughton? David Naughton. David Naughton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a story from the past that was connected with my dad. Same thing with... Um, Escape from New York. That's what we watched. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I missed that opportunity to tell him that we would watch that every year. Like my dad introduced me to that, you know, being yeah. a nice little Father's Day like tie-in sort of thing. I um, love that that was the movie he kicked off the the score yeah. with because yeah. he had this really. For those who didn't go, he had this like uh, screen in the back that had like these kind of looked like a cube. It was like a cube or like those uh, LED lanterns where it's like it had little flaps like an open box if you're looking right in yeah and there's a picture in the middle but then there's also these tilted pictures on each of the flaps and it was really interesting i was like man like the production values on this were so good Mm -hmm. especially when like he did the fog and they that's when they waited to turn on the fog machine and i was like dude that's really awesome and they did that a few times where like they put the spotlight on john and you would see just him in a pillar of fog yeah which, also, the uh, it's funny because I don't think it's like the highest production values. It's crazy how simple things like they put on the glasses for they live. Yeah, I mean it sounds so cheesy, but I swear when they did it, it was just awesome. Yeah, like it's such a cool thing to see. It was cool like, too, like how they kept pausing during the beats so they could keep flashing the obey conform. Yeah, and people were cheering right before the very last one. Some guy like started talking. And I thought he was going to start like. You know, yell. He yelled something out like he was. Gonna, I heard that, yeah. And I was like, "Oh fuck! If that guy's anywhere near me, I'm gonna well, fucking." I had, kill I had this the guy. guy behind me who was constantly every single time they would go into something from Lost Themes One or Two, 
oh, play the hits. And at first I thought it was a joke because he said it once. And so I was like, oh, kind of like a play play some Skinner kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But he was dead fucking serious. He said <laughs> like every time. And I'm like, I was ready to turn around and be like, dude, is it really like, I mean, it's like it's the it literally is songs that could have been in a movie. Cause yeah, they're not in the movie. I mean, especially I I like both ones. I love Lost Themes. Lost Theme's, Theme's one is so, so good. perfect. Uh, the second op- one still has great stuff. Yeah. And getting to hear it live gave me a new appreciation. Same thing with I mean scores I've loved. I will say the one other really great surprise was um hearing Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Was, yeah, I was like God. I forgot how heavy this song is. The bass and drums mm-hmm. are just like just pummel you it's it's just it's a siege it, it is, is it siege. is well i remember too like adam has this uh, has this laser disc too because uh, ruby has a laser disc for big trouble in china and the back like it had this description of the movie and then it has this huge like you know two paragraph column thing that's just like the biography of john carpenter where it, like it talks about a song precinct Precinct 13 is this is his modern day retelling of Rio Bravo among his favorite pictures because I love that re, that the guy who wrote that must have been so old school because like in my head it always sounds like among his other favorite pictures include and it just sounds so old school but yeah like in watching the clips of uh, Assault on Precinct 13 it just it like dawned on me how bad the uh, remake is with Denzel Washington and uh, no no oh, not Lawrence a, Fishburne yeah Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Ethan Hawke yeah I don't think it's the worst I kind of like that that one the thing about the Assault on Precinct 13 remake is that it's so dark it's so um you know, it takes place in the winter in Detroit. Yeah. And I kind of like that idea. I didn't like the, f- love the film, mm-hmm. but I do think like, instead of doing it the way, obviously he used more of, um, daytime for the brutality, which is a great yeah. contrast. And then use the nighttime, um, you know, as best he could with limited lighting, obviously yeah. that was available, but, um, it was just, it was good. I, and of course everyone, I, just I mean, forgotten when some of the stuff too, like the little girl that gets shot. I'm like, so Oh good. fuck. I totally forgot about that. So did I, I remember when I first saw that again, some video on YouTube, I, for some reason thought it was, um, children at play, but where children at play the old trauma movie yeah. somewhere in my head. I was like, God, that looks like one of those kind of films. And I was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, that's pretty palsy. And everyone knows. I would, love I would kids love to killed. know if he cut all those, uh, all those condensed versions himself. That could be because, like, I really like them. I like they. I feel like they told the story of the movies. Like you know, like you don't like, especially Halloween. Like that was Halloween in like four minutes. Yeah, you know. Well, and I'm wondering if some people have not seen most of those movies because I was hearing gasps. Oh yeah, now it wouldn't again, shock like, me. Oh, oh. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, I also kind of just hoped for you know you kind of talked about how um you know, hoping for maybe material like cigarette burns and stuff. I kind of hoped somewhere deep down they were going to, like, the last song was going to be, like, the Coupe de Ville's doing Big Trouble in Little China. Just, even though Nick and Tommy aren't there, Nick Castle and Tommy Lee Wallace, Yeah, I just thought, you know, it's like, it's yeah, so, it's not film music, but it is an integral part to me. Well, that's that film. one of the things too. I guess the in L.A., I had some of my friends go there, and they said Tommy Wallace was there, so they thought it might happen, but it yeah. just didn't. Well, I knew it wasn't going to happen when I only saw one microphone on the stage. Yeah, that's true too. Because he's just all bass. He needs yeah. someone to do the high part. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. That that's the thing. Like I, I, I resign myself to thinking, well, there's a tour date, there's a date on the tour poster, so maybe he'll do it again. 
and mix it up if there's another album. Because I think I, I would go to that again in a heartbeat. I, you know, I, I went to see Goblin when they were doing their tour a few years back, and we helped promote it here in Phoenix. And, like, you know, I enjoyed that a lot. Like, you know, and the idea of, like, clips from the film in the background. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be like that. This was, like, very different and much more executed in a much better way. And I would go see that again in a heartbeat. Well, and you know, this this was only the fifth stop on this tour. Yeah. Because I was looking at the back of the shirt, and I was looking at the other... You know, I was trying to see where Phoenix was, and I was looking later on, because I thought he was kind of wrapping it up. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're like fifth on the list. When it said Phoenix as opposed to Mesa. I mean, Oh, yeah, and Colorado deal. got... Can- the Denver show, it, it was supposed to be today. I guess it got canceled, and it's not being rescheduled. Oh, I so, didn't see it on the shirt, a Colorado day. Yeah. Oh. Austin was next. Yeah. And then he goes to Ireland... And then back to New York. Which, by the way, as I understand from people, is that the uh, UK dates, um, there's Not no there's no VIP at all. Oh, that sucks. I was like, I felt really bad for people. I'm sitting here going like, wow, I, I figured you would not do it here in the States where you're likely to appear again and uh, do it overseas. Because I've known, I've heard like some, for some of the overseas appearances, I mean, some of the people stay there like 10, 12, 14 hours, you know, some celebrities because yeah. they know their lines are going to be that long. Yeah. You know, and I I think also the way he did this with the VIP and even though like I openly was like that's really overpriced. It's really smart of him to kind of like control the model of like signing and everything cuz you know all these cons get these celebrities and they like you know they make their guarantee but this way it's like he gets like all the merch everything so it's very smart to package himself this way. And what were there maybe a hundred VIPs, would you say? Uh, I would probably say less around that. that. Maybe less. Yeah, it was because um, at the end there were still they still had a lot of totes and uh, lanyards left, and you know even they were being really chintzy about them. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, I it was also really smart too. Like you know, Kirby said earlier, all the merch was like priced reasonably well. priced. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like. I mean, because I remember remember when we went to see uh, Goblin. Just how they were nickel and diming over every fucking thing. It was so obnoxious. You know, like, we were supposed to get, like, a, you know, a nice uh, poster, right? And, like, you know, we got a nice signed poster here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been happy with just that and not having a, Over there that the, the people were running the Goblin Tour, literally it was a printout on paper that you could see through, like, pulp. <laughs> and I was... They, everyone was pissed to the point where they had to give us, like like 10 or 20 dollars off the uh ghoulish gary pullin screen print which everyone thought was going to be the signed tour poster Pressure, we yeah. got you know i was happy with this one it was the same kind of paper that we used for our, it was like it's a little bigger than our cult classics posters but it's the exact same thickness right. and everything yeah. so i would have been happy with just yeah, that almost like brochure paper yeah like glossy yeah and i think i mean it's tough i mean i guess like I said, tying in just on that point, I guess, to my earlier comment about taxes on autographs is is that, as I understand now, a lot of clubs, as you know, I'm a musician and stuff, has been that um, clubs are starting to say, well, you basically, when you come and tour, you're running a pop-up shop. Oh. So I want a cut of everything you do. That's bullshit. So bands used to be like, maybe you would do that with the bigger clubs, like a marquee. But if you play like Club Red, that doesn't really happen because the club is depending on you to sell 
you know, come in and bring a lot of people who want to drink if you're a bar. Yeah. Which almost all the venues now in Seattle or in Seattle in um Phoenix in the area are. They're all um you know, yeah, you gotta have that. Um so it's a um you know, it's it's a big so deal. So now it's gonna go back to where they're selling the stuff out of the back of their van in the parking lot. It may for some things. Because it's like, I mean, I, I mean, prices go up even though gas prices have gone down, which is usually the big thing for touring bands. I mean, to me, a shirt should be about twenty bucks. Thirty is the max I'll pay. And um, I mean, I've seen bands selling them for like fifty. I had a, my buddy's band went on tour. He said the best thing they ever did was to go on tour. Amazingly, Twisted, who's part of like the Insane Clown Posse, Psychopathic Family. And they were like a hardcore band, like hardcore metal punk rock kind of thing. And they um played, and uh, they were people. Kids could not believe they were selling T-shirts for ten dollars because everything was forty bucks and up. ICP sells jerseys, like hockey jerseys, and they're two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, and kids just have fists full of money. They're like, "I'll take an extra shirt for ten bucks or a hoodie for twenty. I mean, hardcore is where I come from. It's a DIY principle of it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not the same thing. Like I expect like a Goblin or a John Carpenter to be a little bit more, but I thought both were overall pretty fair. Um, I got a better deal when I went to the LA show. And part of the reason for that was because, or the nicer part was that um, I had VIP the first night and the other night was just the regular, but both nights include a screen. The first night was Tenebrae, the second night was oh, Deep that's Red right. that's in 35mm, right. including the price, plus for the VIP, you know, you got all the stuff and, and all that, but Mondo Death Waltz was actually there and they were selling all the records and all the prints, uh, including stuff that sold out, you know, just at regular prices no in inflation so like i got one of the the suspiria one they did sign for like you know i paid 30 bucks for the print and was able to get that so i mean you know there's definitely some good deals out there it's just it's a hard competitive market but i feel like i think you get value i think too like uh you know they were selling four lps there the it was like assault on precinct 13 the fog halloween and escape from new york which all they all came out in record stores this Friday, at, so you can get them at uh, at Zia Records. They're on Sacred Bones Records, but the ones they were selling on the tour were like red vinyl tour yeah, exclusive limited variants. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those things where at the same time I saw people. I mean, if you're local, you know who I'm talking about. People <laughs> buying these, you know, inherently to flip them. Yeah, you know. And it's it just comes back to that flip flipping culture, which we'll have to talk about. And we have that's on a, our, that's on a our real collect, topic, though. on yeah. our collectibles episodes. You know, people who like buy film and genre collectibles just to instantly flip them for more money. And I kind of, you know, I mean, we we do at certain events we do sell like signed copies of our event prints. But I think we charge like reasonable prices for them. Well, you still had to pay for the signature. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not like there's a difference. You're not you're not doing that to 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 flip. You're yeah. doing that as a service to a person who who wants it and appreciates it. Yeah, I feel like our stuff is very much aimed towards like collect like hardcore collectors. We and sell them you, in frames. You know, if you think of what they would have to spend to go to like let's say Mad Monster to get a weekend pass. Yeah. Plus to buy the print and then plus to pay for the signature. Yeah. What you're charging for a signed print is basically what they would be paying for that whole experience. Yeah. And anyways. for a lot of these things, Victor gets them at events like uh 
you know, Days of the Dead or Monster Palooza, which most people, at least if you're here at home with us in Arizona, you're not maybe not going to get out to any of those events ever. And certain guests do not leave L.A. No. They never go anywhere. So, you know, certain people, either because of age or just attitude, that they just don't want to do it. Yeah. And, and it's just one of those things because I feel like what we do with Cult Classic is mean very much at, like, is more of a premium like experience, but it's also very accessible at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I don't like when I'm going to shows and then there's one, you know, we're limited to X amount of signatures or whatnot and or X amount of items. This guy's like clearly rigged the system to get tons of free autographs, tons of free promo items, which you see somewhere else for like, ten, you know, 10 times what you would think they would go for. Well, yeah, and that's that's what I was trying but, to say was yeah. that the signed items that John Carpenter had at his table were very fairly priced. I mean, a lot of people, like we talked about Mad Monster, were very fair in their pricing. Um, everybody's gone up some amount and stuff, and it, it's a personal debate you got to have with yourself if you really, you know, you decide if it's worth it to you. But I would say, you know, for a lot of people, especially at cons, to me, I always stand by the same thing that, I mean, for certain people, this is all they have left. They're no mm-hmm. longer being cast in films. Their famous band broke up or whatever it is, and this is kind of what they got left. So, I mean, you can't you can't fault people too badly for trying to live. It's um, it's just that the flipping culture, which we, you were right, we've talked about a lot of times, has just kind of hit its high point now. To I mean, it's not even the same it was a couple of years ago. I mean, now it's just like instant, like. Yeah. Everything is everything is for sale. I, I mean, I went to PAX with my brother. People are selling promo items. It's a you know video game conference. People are selling like, oh hey, I got this stress ball. You can have it for sixty five dollars, so you have a complete Legend of Zelda collection or something yeah. like that. And it's like, oh, that's what they sold. Majora's Mass. They were literally just paper mass, and people were selling them for a hundred and fifty dollars. I remember when. I mean, just to wrap wrap up this tangent, yeah, so true. we're not. Um, I, years ago, I had friends who would go to like San Diego Con stuff, and they bring bags full of swag just to give away to people. Like, oh, you didn't get to go here's like free whatever. No, now it's like, I just got all this swag, ten dollars for a lot of three. You know. Well, yeah. and even though I was joking with Mark Dobler about the the uh, uh, ecto cooler, you know, the yeah. can that I, that you gave me, you know, I said, oh, you know, I'll sell it to you for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, what are you kidding me? What? No way. I said, all right, twenty five. It's just going to keep going up until you can actually, you know, <laughs> you're going to pull the trigger. Which, by the way, is a real thing right now. The price of ecto cooler. Yeah, yeah but I just, just yeah. Oh, finish up. But your I, story, yeah. yeah sorry, so, so then Pam sat down. I said, hey, Pam, fifteen bucks. Mark's like, what? What? <laughs> but I told Victor later on. I said, you know, if if Mark actually said yes that he would pay twenty dollars for it, I would have just given him the can. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's a can of sugar, yeah. <laughs> flavored sugar water. For those of you who don't know right now, um, and, and how could you not? Yeah, you, if you're plugged into the film geek scene, you know this. Ecto Cooler, which was a high C, basically citrus tangerine orange drink that had Slimer on it. It, it was very popular up until the mid '90s. Uh, it's coming back because of the new Ghostbusters movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about in July. I'm sure that's a topic waiting to happen. Oh yeah. Um. It came out, and I'm like, oh, I want to try some. I remember liking it. So I went on Amazon, and I bought uh, I bought three cases of Ecto Cooler, which cost me a whopping $20. About two hours later, 
It was selling for $100 a case. Oh, wow. I am not even kidding, folks. Like, literally, it was $7.33 for one case when I bought it. Like, an hour later, they were going for $100 a case. That's like those, uh, the Back of the Future Pepsi bottles. Yeah, which I would have liked one of those, but, like, not with real soda in it. Just, yeah, just yeah. for display. Yeah. But, like, I, 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 got, I got this case from Amazon Pantry. I opened one, I'm like, mm, yes, it tastes just as disgusting as I remember. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. It's, you know, it's, it's a high C drink. It's not like, you know like uh, the food of the gods or anything i'm like yeah. oh cool all right yeah. it comes in cans with it's the high c label is in silver if you put it in the refrigerator and it gets cool the label turns green okay i've just been giving these away to my friends guys adam has some kirby has some because it's a can of fucking soda <laughs> Well, All not right. even soda it's just a i gave some trick. to kevin at gotham city comics i gave some to jaime um, I'm probably going to give some to Mark, you know, cause it's just like, Hey, you want some here? If you're, this is, it's the whole pay it forward culture, which I think is really important. Um, if you have friends who are into things that you, you know, they'll dig and it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg, help them out, you know, cause I'm not going to go, Oh, you want some ecto cooler? 30 bucks. That's bullshit. I'm yeah. Sorry. I just, I just gave Kirby like two posters this week. Yeah. Adam is a very very generous patron. Man, I just I gave Victor the uh, one of our VIP tags and or laminates and yeah, because they wouldn't give me one last night, even though they had like thirty or forty of them, and yeah. I was part of the meet and greet because they were being chintzy. Yeah. Just saying, <laughs> I'm saying the tour people stateside is awesome. No, stateside is the bomb. That's all I'm saying. But that's the actual people connected were chintzy. But that's that's the problem with a lot of it. You get the venue itself or the people who are running it. You don't know who it is necessarily. And the people who run the tour usually, whoever's yeah. going to make money. And that's the whole point. I wasn't trying to, to cakewalk so much. Yeah. It really was just about kind of like what you said is what is it that the premium paid for the experience? Where does it match up? Yeah. And to me, Carpenter completely was worth every penny and then some. Um, and if I had paid for the VIP, I'd still be happy because there was there, cause there was so much awesome stuff. It was just... They, there's, I mean, Phoenix especially is just really starting to get a lot of good things. Yeah. So. I will say, though, this is one of the things I realized. If I had never walked up to that guy and said I was part of the meet and greet and just walked into the line, I would have gotten the pictures and signatures for free. Oh, yeah. No, no one was monitoring. Yeah. Really. I wish you told me that. Oh, no, no. We didn't know this till we got there. Oh. It was... Like that part of it was pretty disorganized. Yeah, yeah. It was very to the point where, like, I would have been like, "Get over here now," because fuck, everybody's getting signed shit and they're not checking anything. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was weird because I'm pretty. I, I I swear to God, I thought one of the things was like, if you paid more, you got to get extra shit signed. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I I don't even want to look at that. Yeah, don't different perk because we <laughs> we paid the very top tier. Yeah money out of our pocket yeah but you know aside from that i will say like just to get back to the actual you know concert um all the video pre all the video shows that were going on that he was uh, performing were really cool I, like the big trouble in little china i thought was like really well done i thought the piano got drowned out a little bit at certain parts but it was really well done they live was like fucking awesome so it was escape from new york um, and I thought the Lost Theme stuff, like Daniel Davies did uh, the one from Lost Themes. I don't remember the track. It's the one where, like, the video is John Carpenter playing a VR game. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. 
I haven't seen the video. I haven't oh, seen the video. Okay, it was the first single off Lost Themes. Oh, okay. Where it kind of sounds like Big Trouble, a little Ch- China-ish, but a little more synthy. It's like, boom, boom. Right, anyway. Yeah, I got what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, like, rocking out on the guitar, and they like, I-, I thought that was, like, really awesome. I was just, like, digging the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You know, and I thought the uh, Christine, how he, the, go, the Go Home track was Christine, and, like, he had his little band. It was funny, because... I thought it was cool. He had a lectern, and you could tell he was reading music to like uh, do the all the piano synth parts. And his lectern had his script and everything, and it was like really like, oh wow, it's like we're actually seeing a classical performance. <laughs> yeah, know? that's what I was gonna say as well. I noticed that a lot. I mean, he really led. I mean, his actual playing was pretty minimal. I mean, his son did almost all the synth yeah. and piano work, and then the full band and stuff, who were all excellent at. I mean, very obviously adept musicians, mm-hmm. but it was just. Um, it was incredible to watch him just lead, like lead it and stuff. I mean, he in, yeah, just didn't take a lot of effort. But I think combined with the uh, visual images, especially for the film score stuff, just really, um, you know, ramped it up. When what they is- start with Big Trouble in Little China, I mean, people damn near got out of their seats because yeah. it was just so riled up. Like, what did you guys think of him doing uh, the thing theme I was by Ennio Morricone? I loved it. Yeah, it- that was good. Yeah, it's weird because it, like it was, it was a little faster than the actual. Oh yeah, well, yeah. I mean, because it's like very moody, but like at the same time, when he did it, it, it was like, oh, now I, I could see what it would have sounded like if they'd done like a jam piece almost. Well, I was, I was kind of frightened by how he introduced it because I thought he was going to say that he just died at that moment. Oh right, because he said, of... oh, this is a tribute to Ennio Morricone. Yeah, and I'm like, why is it a tribute? Why? Yeah, <laughs> just to piggyback What don't on I know? That, um, I was at the Marquee Theater. I don't know if I, t- I... I probably told you this off air before. But I went to see Modern English, uh, who were also general public. And they were playing at the Marquee Theater. And they were playing the night that John Hughes died. Like, and they announced, like, oh, this is in memory of our friend John Hughes. I remember people were, like, gasping because that's, like, the first... Oh, I would have started bursting in tears. Yeah. I just wouldn't be... I would Then I would forget, like, everything after that. And I'd just... I'd be beside it was a weird concert because they were opening for real big fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Well, yeah, yeah, but they did like togetherness. Well, well eventually, and all. eventually, uh, I'm sure down the line here, when Trey and Matt are dead, they can do "Take on Me" and <laughs> dedicate it to them. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, it's happened a few times. Well, I will say. Obviously, um, I wanted to give an M- in memory one on the way out, but hearing that Anton Yelchin had died yeah. right oh before Oh, my that. God. I'm shocked that I told – yeah, we've just been so spaced. and Well, not spaced, but folk. That is – that was fucking shocking. When yeah. I saw that on Facebook yesterday, I was like, is this like some like funny or die thing? Like I'm usually – because usually when I see, oh, a celebrity died, I'm like – Well, you got to do a fact check. No, no, but you know, usually like, oh, okay, because and then it's like, no, that can't be right. It's you know, it was like really like out of the blue. It's really strange. The more you know, I've been reading up about this too. Apparently, the car. What ended up happening is he thought he parked his car in his driveway, and he went down to check his mail before he was leaving. And the car, he had a 2015 Jeep Cherokee, which apparently was the subject of a recall. Call. Yeah. For that exact For issue, that exact yeah. problem. Because it has a weird shifter where if you put it in a park, it like 
locks back to the middle, and if you don't put fully in a park, it just shifts into neutral, which to me, I'm like, why the fuck would you get a car like that? It well, it slipped into neutral, and if you've been in the Hollywood Hills, those things are like steep, and it just rolled back full full no, force, no. smashed him into a mailbox with so much power that the the chain the metal the fence bars, yeah. bent, you know. And I'm like, that's like fucking Final Destination shit, man. Yeah, yeah no well, doubt. Yeah, talk about Christine. Yeah. That's no, and it's I feel I feel bad because like we we just seen like Green Room not yeah. that long like what two months ago and it was I mean it, that's gonna be in like our my, like my top five movies for the year oh without a doubt it's my that and the witch for me right now but I said man when I said but his performance in that was so standout yeah. like him, it, like we, that movie wouldn't have worked without him or Patrick Stewart I no. thought yeah they, yeah he was just incredible and he's a guy I've liked in so many films I mm-hmm. thought he was great. In um, Charlie, Bartlett. Charlie Bartlett, Bartlett, but he's great. Todd Thomas, yeah, he Alpha played. Dog. He played a uh, Kyle Reese in Terminator Salvation. One yeah. of the only good things about that movie. Yeah, mm. he's just he's one of those guys where I just felt like he was a believable. I even like the Fright Night remake for his performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. I oh with was, Colin Farrell, that's yeah. right. He's a he's a Charlie, Charlie Brewster. Brewster. Yeah, I thought he was a very believable Charlie Brewster. Like, um, you know, much like the spirit of William Ragsdale. I just thought he was great, but it was one of those ones where. Um, just I mean, oh, to, to, and he, to, oh, sorry. Go just ahead. without to cut you off, the yeah. other movie I saw him, even though it, it's like I even spent some time ragging on it not that long ago. Um, the la- he was in the last Joe Dante movie, burying the X. Yes, he like, was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was like probably the best part of it, even though like that was like that and Life After Beth literally came out like within weeks of each other. I'm yeah, like, no, the, the burying the X wasn't his fault. It no, just the, it's just like it was like a kick, well, was that was bad. Joe Dante's Kickstarter movie. But Joe yeah. Dante has hit a point too, like Toby Hooper and a lot of other of the most famous '80s horror and sci-fi and cult directors, where it's just hit a point where I'm like, even John Carpenter, even <laughs> just said how much I love him, but I mean, I don't like the Ward at all. Right, and, and people are there's people who do like it. Uh, I mean, it's all right. It's just weird because it's it came John out. Carpenter. It came out around the same time as um. Sucker Punch, and they both feel like the same movie, except one is a horror movie, the other one's a fantasy. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, They're, they have a lot of parallels, but yeah. I just, I mean, I didn't really enjoy it or anything. Amber Heard's not great in it either. Well, it's kind of like yeah. a Wes Craven too, even towards the end of his career. Obviously. Oh well, he's been hacked. He, Wes, well, yeah, you know we love well, no, Wes but Craven, I mean, but he's been hacking it up. Well, since no, but what I mean is, is that a lot of the horror directors have just gone downhill. I'm yeah. sorry, well, I might, no, no. What yeah, was the, uh, the no? The movie that paralleled the award was the Lucky McKee movie that came out around the same time. Uh, what the girls in the in the school? Oh, ch- all cheerleaders die? No, 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 no. No, no. no it was it was it was a. Uh, um, Okay, I'm gonna look it up. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm trying to think what Lucky McKee because I'm like, okay, Which, there's May, the as me, woman, as, as me and uh, uh, Adam just had die. just had a misty Monday talk before the show. <laughs> Sick girl. Sick girl was not uh, Lucky McKee. It was I uh, thought he even, wrote it. Even McGar. No, he, I think even wrote it all. Even Evan did that. Yeah, Evan. Sorry, I always say his you name. You know, right. that's the same Evan who does a uh, Mad Monster, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's a quality quality dude. Yeah, but uh, I like Sick Girl a lot. I well, love no, that, Sick Girl. Well, I mean, that's something else. Is a horror that was directed by Lucky McKee. Yeah, Lucky McKee See? was Sick Girl. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Sick Girl. I, there's two Sick there's Girls. Two, two, there's 2007. There is the, the movie. There's the movie, and then there's the, yeah. I'm the, talking about, about the Masters the, yeah, of Horror, horror. episode. Yeah, yeah, with Misty Munter yeah. and uh, Angela Bettis, his yeah. other uh, muse. 
His two muses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't wait for me. Oh, oh I'm always to, waiting for you, talk, Adam. Talk, talk, All right. talk amongst mm. yourselves. Yeah, but for the most part, I do think, uh, I do think the uh, loss of Anton Yelchin is like a big. Uh, I I think he would he, I think he's a good character actor. I mean, and he was a good lead in indie stuff. I the Woods. The Woods. I do not remember that. I don't movie. think I saw that one to be honest. And I love Lucky McGee stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, you know, it's funny how much he hates red, but I thought it was a great adaptation. Oh, I, sure. I don't know why he hates that so much. Well, I mean, you throw Tom Sizemore as the villain in any oh, film, well, there's and your problem. And it, well, no, it just works because yeah. he's you hate him so much. Yeah, but that's basically what I'm saying. It's a, you know, it's a tra- and it's a big tragedy. And I, I would have enjoyed seeing him more parts. He has, a, he had a very believable quality to his acting. I thought. Especially in Green Room, where he, I thought he was playing like, you know, the very like into his like I, ideals, hardcore kid. You know, he was what like he, your buddy in every movie. Yeah, he was like your friend, and he was really one of the big standouts in the Abrams uh, re- Star Trek s- yeah. reboot. He was a good Star Trek. Yeah, he. Uh, that was really my first time that I that he was on my radar. Like, who is this person? Because he has so much connection. He's just reaching out right from the screen, mm-hmm. and I want to see more of him. Yeah, I think he. I mean, I don't like into darkness, but I thought he he was very good in the first Star Trek. He was like the very earnest kind of approachable character. Yeah, yeah. I think they all did. I mean, him, John Chu, and uh, Simon Pegg all played the but secondary see, Star yeah, Trek. You know, people. but I yeah, like I already knew who those people. No, were, no, though, you're right. Like, it you stands know, out. I, it yeah. makes me want like Justin Lin must just be like, gripping his hair out. Like every movie he does now, one of the main stars dies. Oh, that's true. Star Trek Beyond and the one before that was like Fast you know, Furious Seven. Oh, with um. Oh yeah, yeah with uh, never, Paul never uh, Paul Walker. Paul Walker. Yeah. yeah. Which is really I heard something sad recently. I guess his daughter isn't going to get his much money out of his Selman stuff. It's really sad, like, mm. out of Paul, out of the car and shit like that because it was a malfunction, too, in the car. Yeah. So, so it, malfunctions in cars here, yeah. Don't drive. Don't. Yeah. It's not just don't drink and drive, just don't drive. If your car gets a recall, <laughs> act on it. That's the object lesson here. Yeah, that's our uh, <laughs> PSA for for a cult following. Yeah, but uh, just to wrap things up, if you are have... If the John Carpenter tour has not come yet to your town and you're thinking of going or you have it within you to travel to see it, I strongly recommend seeing it. Definitely. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a very good encapsulation of his filmmaking legacy. Um, I will suggest uh, if you can try to see as many of his movies beforehand, you will enjoy it more. Otherwise, you will be spoiled. That's all. (laughs) But um, just to wrap it up, yeah, um, I'm wondering what if if what the uh, uh, looking at it from that different perspective. I suppose it's been a really long time since I've seen Precinct, uh, Assault on Precinct 13. It made me want to watch it again. Actually, well, I wanted to watch everything, and I'm like, th- I'm thinking like turning around and, and saying to Victor, let's do like a huge like John Carpenter like every single movie like every weekend and you know at every single event and right. jump cut and <laughs> and just and saturate. I, it I so had so. considered doing like a John Carpenter movie either like just because I want to watch right it bef- with a whole bunch yeah, of people. You yeah, know, right again. before or after. But then I'm like, no. Well, we did that last year with Big Trouble when James Hong was coming. Right. And, you know, that movie's always going to do well. But, I mean, I want to watch, like, yeah. all of them. I mm-hmm. just want to have, like, a whole film event. 
Well, I'm pretty sure once all, you know, especially now, like, you know, Jump Cut is doing really well and Cult at Moxie is starting to do well and, you know, Cult Classics is firing on. And we have other events that are in the pipeline that we will talk about it's not, soon. It's probably not out of the question. You know, it could be something that would work. Yeah. So, organically, you know. Yeah. Kind of I cool think, it, like, basically what we've been talking is at some point we're going to have enough uh, events under the Cult Classics umbrella that we will probably be able to do themed like a festival almost we were yeah. talking about. Yeah. You know, like, cause I, I, you know, in May, 2014, we did do, we did like a two movie Tim Burton retrospective. If we did that now, it could have been, you know, a four movie retrospective. Right. Yeah. You know, a year from now it could be six, you know, mm-hmm. maybe seven, who knows? <laughs> but, so glad you're going to show both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> and Alice in Wonderland. I really think you pulled oh, it off, no, no, but, no. Well, but well, you did I'm, it. I'm talking about like, you know, Dark Shadows and uh, Frankenweenie, of course, the Disney version, of course. We've I, all I, I just wish there that. had been, by the way, a bigger, it was a good response, but... I actually now I'm really pulling for Mars Attacks personally. Oh yeah, I love that. Uh, I love Mars Attacks. I love Mars Attacks. But it was great. That was a good trailer pick, and it seemed like people were into it. Yeah, but. I'm sure at the very least that'll be a jump cut, if not something more. It like uh, Idiocracy and T two won the day clearly. Oh, T two was. I was like. I almost was like, man, you should have just shown T2 right after this because you had the built-in crowd with aliens. Oh, it, it, it was like, no, it was just funny. Like oh, it's yeah. one of those ones where it's like. You, the literal people you want to come to this one, it's like, there they are. Yeah. But that it just also reminded me of how blown away by that trailer I was when it originally came out. When I saw that, I was like, this is going to be the most amazing movie of well, all that's, time. Well, that's the thing about... Uh... That's the thing about, uh, you know, the James Cameron crowd. Because I'm, you know, at this point, and I was talking about this with, like, Ruby and, like, uh, Michael and Paula the other day, that... Uh, at this point, especially the only director that I haven't met yet that I still kind of want to meet is Tim Burton. Maybe Robert Rodriguez. I've met every other director living now that I've ever sure. looked up to. I met Tarantino, Del Toro. Uh, Not the name drop or anything. No, no, no. But I'm just saying. Right. We've all met, like, especially oh, yeah. in the last month, we all met Romero, you know? Yeah. Well, the other part, too, is Victor goes to a lot of, not only growing up in L.A., but still goes to a lot of L.A. events yeah. where people just drop in that maybe even weren't even there. They'll yeah. just come to events just right. to hang out. Yeah. So New Beverly one especially, the people just yeah, wander on yeah. in. Yeah, Edgar Wright was at, like, one of the screen, And he's super nice, you know? So yeah. it's kind of cool. Like, I, I feel like... Like I, I posted on like Facebook that I'm just so glad we had such, there was such a big turnout there because that's only going to tell people who put on events like that do more of that shit. Yep. You know. Yeah, it was a, it was really fun. It was really cool to see. It's been cool to see so many people show up in costume and just to at our at our events, but the aliens and stuff like that and just a lot. There was just so much energy on Saturday. Dude, good. there was there were guys in line for the meet and greet who were like at aliens and they were like. Dude, you were the guy who did Aliens. Oh, that's so awesome. I loved how loud the volume was. (laughs) Yeah, it was loud. Yeah. If you weren't there, you could probably hear a good distance. I'm shocked. I mean, just even from the beginning with the trailers, it was so loud. Yeah, because, you you know, I'm like, I like booming sound. And sometimes if people complained, I would have turned it down. I'm like, eh, I'm sure. There's a lot of atmosphere in that movie. It needs to be loud. Yeah. But, yeah. 
You adjust it appropriately when absolutely necessary. Yeah. I don't think anything will ever be louder than when I went and saw Independence Day at uh, IMAX. Yeah. It was, the one, I think, the first film IMAX did that wasn't a documentary. Like I had people. One, it was insane. I had people asking if we were going to play Independence Day for yeah. the 4th of July. Blech. I'm like, I don't think anyone wants to see a 4th of July movie. But if you <laughs> think differently, let us know. But I don't think we'll probably be doing that. I remember uh, just you know real quick when Independence Day came out. People, I well, I've read I read more things online now of you know Independence Day is a terrible movie. Why did it do so well back then? I remember specifically there were not very many science fiction films at the time with aliens and spaceships, and yeah. everybody was so hungry for anything like that because there was no news you know star wars was done as far as we knew there wasn't anything as far as prequels go nothing uh and no one was doing any kind of original science fiction stuff so to see that and see ships it's like i don't care what the plot is i don't care what happens i want to see aliens i want to see ufos i want to see shit being blown up i i remember watching that movie when it came out and i was like this is like the first film in the uh Will Smith becomes a megastar yeah, right, yeah. trajectory. Big, it actually came out, right. I think, in 96. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, I remember watching I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's so terrible. But it, at the same time, I could see why people liked it, you know. Yeah. But there's just stuff in that movie that, like, is beyond cheesy. Like, I still remember the dog outrunning the explosion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know, the, there's people in that movie who knew they were in a terrible movie and just didn't, like uh, Brent Spiner chewing the scenery like, mm-hmm. you know, Prince. Yeah, but if that fucking speech doesn't get you riled up, I mean, that's got to be one of yeah. the best that was good. non-Michael yeah. Bay movie speeches possibly ever. Like, it's that, But that's just the thing that's weird that they're making a sequel because I've seen the trailers and, like, I'm saying like a lot, and I don't like. I'm not a fan of that. I've seen the That's film. Homework this week, and Bill Pullman and Jeff Goldblum look so grizzled. Oh, Even yeah. who's the actor that plays uh, Jeff Goldblum's father in there? Oh, that's um, uh, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch also grizzled. Like you know, they've they've got like all this future tech from the from the. Apparently, we now learned tiny spaceships. Because the one we see in the trailer is bigger than the planet. And it's nice to know gravity is not an issue. Hey, man. Earth's atmosphere wasn't a problem in signs. So yeah. every everything's going to work out. Swing away, freaking. Kirby. Swing away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so sorry. So sorry for those uh, that had not seen that one. But uh, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, I'm sorry. It's What, do you want me to spoil the happening next? Like, no. <laughs> We need to find a clip of uh, Mark Wahlberg apologizing to that plant and fit it in somewhere <laughs> in this episode. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, I'll take I'll take Mark Wahlberg apologizing finally for all the racist beatings he dished out to various minorities throughout his early years, which conveniently have people continue to ignore. So. And yeah. I like Mark Wahlberg, but I'm I'm just find it very. We're all funny. just gonna rip our shirts open with the Wahlberg Forever tattoo and start pounding our chest. Well nourished by the Wahlburgers, yeah, good <laughs> good times. But um, 
Yeah, no, I have ID4. It's it's just. I you know what the closest thing I think of ID4. We got on a tangent about it, and I literally don't even remember what. The, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the only thing I will say, the first time I saw the ID4 trailer, the first thing that popped in my head was Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. It's not the third film, but it feels just like Jurassic Park 3. It's like, you really didn't need to do this at no. all. If you'd done it 10 years ago, I'd expect, you know, and done one every 10 years. Yeah. Maybe I would think, like, okay, well, whatever. You know, but now I don't it's know. Like, I I will say now that the summer it it's weird. It's officially the first day of summer, but like the most of the big releases are winding down. You know, we've got a few left, like Independence Day. So if but, it, it doesn't have Randy Quaid because he he died, he, he bit it in the first one. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I don't know. Well, who gives a shit? But wouldn't he be great right now in that movie? Isn't he in jail? Because he's so he's so batshit crazy. He's, right now. He became that character. Yeah. Well, yeah, above and beyond. Yeah, I would say. But yeah. wouldn't be great if they could convince him to like be. Yeah, dead. I'm pretty sure he's in prison. He wasn't. He fled to Canada. I remember. Yeah. And then I mean, he tried to get back into the U.S. Yes. and they stopped him. There's but a couple I don't know of if them. He's in jail right That's now. That's a vacation I would have liked seeing a sequel to. But um. <laughs> Yeah, he basically became that uncle. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who believe Randy Kuwait was just, he's one of those people who was fully poisoned by his wife, like, that that's where it all came from. It's like one of those people who's like a great, great man fallen. Oh, God. So, I don't know. I, I, I really, the the articles I've read about his, his kind of mental breakdown and conspiracy theories, it's just kind of one of those things, I'm like, wasn't he already crazy? Like, yeah, I think it was already I mean, He was there. already, but, um... Yeah, there's a few people. I mean, I'm pretty sure, even if he got all his legal trouble sorted, I'm with the exception of direct-to-video uh, cousin Eddie movies. I mean, which is a full-on like Jim Varney level. I don't think Randy Quaid. No, but I kind of hope. I kind of hope one day though, like ten years down the line, he'll be in some like small art house film that'll become like starring the, Tom Sizemore. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I met Tom Sizemore at Phoenix Con years or Phoenix Film Fest years ago. And the first thing I was like, well, no wonder why you beat up on everybody. You've got to have the worst case of short man syndrome ever. Because if he came up to, like, my chest, and I'm not a tall guy, like... I met Tom Sizemore when he was hitting on Dreda Dreda of Demon's fame. And then... uh the guy who played that's the, a sex the, tape then I the, want to see. Then uh, I was talking to someone. I think it was the guy who played the skinny, nerdy guy from the Toxic Avenger. And someone else there introduced me as a web designer. And then Tom Sizemore was like, I do flash design. I I tried to do the intro to one of my movies, but they didn't like it. Oh, I'd love to see that. That would be yeah. awesome. I would. Yeah, it would have been interesting. It was one of the weirder stories ever. Sizemore's dude. Oh no, no! You know who it was? They didn't. That it was uh, Lawrence Hervey, the weird guy from the Human Centipede Two. He was the guy who was like, "Oh, this guy does design." The bug eye dude. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was a weird, weird conversation. Yeah, I would have liked to have been the fly in the wall yeah. listening in on that conversation. That sounds like a nothing but troubled dinner party, man. What the fuck? That dude? needs to be it like is, a yeah. dinner for three <laughs> WWE Network thing. <laughs> Speaking of which, we need to let Victor go soon. He's got. Oh a, yeah. In case you missed his performance on Saturday when he lost his voice in the ring, there, he uh, he's got to get to the event here soon. Right. Yeah. What do we got Friday? Repo. Yeah. If uh, oh, it it's sold out. Oh, did it sell out? It's awesome. sold out. But we have Repo, the genetic opera for Jump Cut. 
this Friday, the 24th. Um, in July 21st will be the next Moxie, Cultant Moxie, which will probably be, I think it's Jaws, although there was a thought of, there was talk of Sharknado, but it'll probably be Jaws. Um, and then July 16th, it's, uh, it's uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Tickets Can't wait. available now at uh, Scott com and com. Already like 20 sold. That's going to sell out too. Yeah. I'll be there representing the vegan police just to let you know yes. ahead of time. I'm sure we'll have some fun uh, some fun giveaways for that. Um, we'll pro- I'm, I'm sure I think we'll, we'll have passes for uh, Game On Expo AZ August 5th to 7th at the uh, Mesa, Mesa Convention, Convention Center. Center. It's going to awesome be a lot event. of fun. Um, this Saturday, we will be in the like in the early afternoon. We will be at ToyCon at the Glendale Civic uh, Center Auditorium from ten to four, and uh, we'll have uh, giveaways and other fun stuff like that. And um, the very last Friday of July will be the next Jump Cut, which I think is probably going to be awesome. But we haven't nailed that down exactly yet. Anyway, you can keep up on all this. Cold Classic CZ on Instagram, Twitter, thewebsite.com. If you like our little ramblings here, please leave us comments at cultfollowing.co. We have some awesome reviews up there of recent movies. Um, I've posted reviews of Harvest Lake from uh, Scott Shermer. Great movie. Check out the review. We also have reviews up there for The Conjuring 2, which Kirby watched. Um, also, I will be writing one this week for The Night Stalker, starring Lou Diamond Phillips as Richard Ramirez and Bellamy Young from Scandal as a fictional uh, government person trying to get him to confess his crimes before he dies from cancer. It's as terrible as it sounds, and the review will be hilarious. On the Lifetime Network. we will all, And this week, we'll also have reviews at the end of the week for The Neon Demon and for The Shallows. Neon Demon, the new movie from Nicholas Winding Ref, and uh, uh, The Shallows, which is Jaws versus Blake Lively, not to be confused with uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Keep up on all this at cultfalling.co. Open water three. Right. The way you want to look at it. And it's a, I have learned that it is not an adaptation of that Hawaiian girl who got her arm bitten off. I thought it was an adaptation. It looks, it looks very similar. Yeah, it's that. not. It's a shark trying to eat Blake Lively. I don't know if it's voiced by Ryan Reynolds, but that would be hilarious. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap it up. we got lots of stuff to do. But uh, find us online. Subscribe to us. Until then, this is Victor Marino along with Kirby Nelson. Do you have anything you're plugging? Anything? You're- oh, yes. If you are, well, it'll debut tomorrow, but if you're out tonight here, come check us out. My band, Pedestal of Infamy at Tempe Tavern. Um, maybe we'll do a post up or something on one of the Twitter or Instagrams, but um, we will be playing more shows here this summer. What's it called? New demo. Uh, we are called Pedestal of Infamy. Okay. It is. Uh, Brutal death metal for the whole family. And uh, lots of other stuff coming up soon, band-wise, so I'll let you know. Other than that, I just want to say, yeah, well, we already gave the um, In Memoriam to Anton Yelchin, but also to, uh, I just found actually, it happened f- a few days ago, but I did want to give give some love to my main lady, Lois Duncan, who passed away a few days ago, and uh, also to my main man, Michu. 
Oh right, from Alf, Alf and uh, my one of my all time favorite films, which is Waxwork. So that's right, he's the little guy in the suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was the eight foot guy, right? Uh, well, sorry, <laughs> it was it was just redundant to say yeah. little guy in a suit. You know, yeah. He's on the he's on the fucking no, was, poster. Yeah, it was actually him. Yeah, it's one of his only roles besides the um, Strange Days cover from the Doors, where you actually saw him as him. Yeah, yeah. Right. I cannot believe I just it didn't fucking dawn on me till right now. He was yeah. the little guy from Waxwork. Mm-hmm. Shit! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love Waxwork. Just one of my yeah. favorites. If you've never seen that, go see that now. And if that's you, that's one of those underground gems. Right. It is yeah. an underground gem by far. It is definitely one of the. This in house for some reason I always feel like get left oh, yeah. off the horror comedy. Everyone always says like Fright Night or Reanimator or something, which I love both of those movies. I love a good horror comedy, but Waxwork will always be one of my faves. So check that out and uh, check out all the works by those um, you know um, amazing people. Some of us who left us too early. The rest of us though who gave us lots of love and memories and much appreciated. And I'll kick it over to Adam. No, I don't have anything. Except unless you're privy to the type of events that I have. What are you oh. showing, Adam? Jaws this weekend at my house. Yes, the cinema, cinema the, fantastico. Yeah, the, the but you got to cool be inside and about be that. insiders. Yeah. Got to get to know me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let you just you know pee in my pool unless I know you. <laughs> no, please don't pee in my pool. Yeah, don't open that door. Hold the door. We we have access we to a bathroom from the outside. Keep your ecto so. cooler to yourself. That's right. Yeah, join us next time on Cult Classics episode 39 where we will be drinking Ecto Cooler on and, air. And the ultimate deluge of, of of a month and a half of backed up reviews that we didn't post to the That's site. True. Right. We promise we'll get to it. Probably them. be a two-parter. Yes. Meow. Nice catch up. <laughs> Until next time. Meow. Meow and meow. Think about meow. it. I wasn't quite finished, actually. No, that'll do. Thank you, Charlie.